Hello listeners, this is Nigel McGuinness of Ring of Honor. You are listening to the ROH cast. Stay tuned, wankers, or I'll give you the Tower of London. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 50 of ROH cast. Who would have ever thought we'd make it this far? My name's Harry, I'm the web designer and co-owner of ROHworld.com. And today, well, at this time I'm only joined by the other co-owner. He is the... The podcast bandit, Stephen. Hi, everyone. Unfortunately, podcast worst nightmare John cannot be with us this week. He, he was supposed to leave a voicemail. You know, it's ROH Cast 50, big anniversary show, big deal. But uh, he, he decided not to leave a voicemail. He, he well, I don't know. I'm just shocked and appalled at that uh, by John. And he won't be here next week. Who knows when he's he suspended will... from now he's gone, on. Yes, for September. Yeah, he's been suspended. I don't know when John will be back. But who cares, because we have a much better guest joining us momentarily. Um, Ring of Honor legend, the former ROH World Champion, Nigel McGuinness, will be joining us later on on the show. So for all of our American listeners, I hope you can understand British accents well, because <laughs> there's going to be three of them this week. But uh, before we get to the interview, Stephen, ROH Cast 50, what do you think? I know, as you said earlier, who, who knew we were ever going to get this far? I know when we first came up with the idea, we were going to do it was it before I paid reviews and maybe one every couple of months? Um, yeah, it was going to be one or two a month tops. But it's been... yeah, and then we did the first one and we thought oh, this is quite cool. And then people, for some reason, people seem to enjoy it. And then we just seem to keep going. And yeah, I'm not really sure how we've got to fifty, but I think it's been quite cool. And uh, so people seem to enjoy it. So mm. we enjoy doing it. I I've think, enjoyed so. doing it. We've got <laughs> some great guests, as you heard in the intro. We've had a lot of. With uh, Ring of Honor wrestlers on the show, so it's been fun doing it, and uh, I look forward to the next 50. Yeah, it was definitely cool. I mean, being able to talk to some of the uh, you know, the wrestlers, I mean, some of them were really, really cool to us and spoke to us for quite some time. I mean, Adam Cole spoke to us for over an hour, didn't he? So did TJ Perkins. And... Funny thing about Adam Cole, there was actually an <laughs> interview that was accidentally deleted, so it had to be redone. But uh... Yeah, it shows how, how cool of a guy he is. I mean, we, we spoke to him say, for over an hour. And then um, Harry accidentally deleted the interview. Um, <laughs> and he was actually really, really good about it, wasn't he? I thought yeah. he was going to be a bit annoyed because I was. But <laughs> uh, And then we interviewed him a couple of months later, didn't we? And uh, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, it's really, I'm really glad that, you know, the wrestlers have really uh, helped us out and give us some you know, great interviews. And hopefully uh, that will continue for the, for the next 50. Yeah, and also a shout out to Macklin and Robber Reed. I believe they're the only two people we're aware of who've listened to all 50 episodes. So uh, thank you to them for listening. They for deserve time. some sort of medal, don't they, for that? Yeah, or an apology, I don't know. Do we need to <laughs> apologise for some of the content they've had to put up with? But uh, yeah, over 50 hours of us talking. Wow. Although when we did the first one, it was it about forty-five minutes, and it was, there was a, a comment half an hour, yeah, yeah, and there was a comment on YouTube saying it was good, but I'd prefer it to be three hours long. It, it was so. an iTunes review actually. It was saying, oh yeah, hours, that's good, but it should be three hours long, and we've not done that yet. We had uh, an hour and three quarters a couple of weeks ago, and that was that was terrible. But um, yeah, so who knows? Maybe one day there'll be a three-hour podcast for that person who wanted. But maybe for episode 100, we'll have like 10 interviews on it or something. It'll be oh, three hours. Get the whole roster on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's enough of us two talking. We'll uh, we'll now get on to the interview with Nigel McGuinness. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, thank you to listening for the show for this long. And uh, we hope you continue to be a fan of the show. So, uh, thank you.
Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Stephen once again. And uh, we are joined by a very special guest, a Ring of Honor legend in fact, the former Ring of Honor world champion Nigel McGinnis is here. Nigel, thank you for joining us today. Nice to be here, Harry. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How about yourself? I'm all right, mate. I'm okay. Sounds like I'm uh, watching Harry Potter with your accent. I'm not used to it being over here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for all of our American listeners. They've got three British accents to try and understand this week. Oh, they love it. They love the British accent over here, don't they? <laughs> so uh, recently, you know, you, you did uh, you started a Kickstarter project a few months ago to sort of fund a, a documentary all about your career and. Uh, you sort of you were aiming for I think it was thirty two thousand and you completely smashed that and got a lot of, a lot more than that. It was incredible the funding you got. Um, so sort of how is that project going? Any sort of updates on the progress? Um, you go kickstarter.com and there's all the updates on there. But um, I've been working oh, a lot of time, eight hour days, eight hour days, pulling all nighters at the moment. Sort of um, I've been doing voiceovers for part of it and. Mm. Um, I can only record them at night because I have to turn the AC off and the fridge off so that it doesn't pick up their, their background ambient oh. noise. So um, I'm sort of working from like 8 o'clock at night until 7.30 the next morning. Pretty wow. much, you know, yeah, I'm taking a break to eat here and there. But other than that, I've been doing that night after night after night. You know? That's crazy. So much work. Um, like, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I didn't have any idea of the, um, you know, the complexities of it. But, mm. Do you have any sort of uh, challenge. Ex- expected release date on it? I mean, it sounds like it is an incredible amount of work for you to do. No. Uh, um, for those people who didn't get the chance to back the project, how are they going to be able to buy it once it is finally released? Uh, not 100%. Not 100%. Okay. Um, I'm debating trying to sell it off my own website, mm. nigelwrestling.com. Um talking to a couple of distributors but it's gonna be the right deal so okay it'll be available some way shape or form we'll be sure to let everyone know once it is uh, finally released yeah so Nigel um I suppose we, we should get to talking about uh you know what you're doing at the moment inside Ring of Honor uh, you know you're, you're commentating on the uh the tv show and the iPay-per-views uh, I suppose you know you made your name in Ring of Honor as I suppose one of the most hard-hitting guys in, in you know in Ring of Honor history I mean um, you know, how does it feel to be, you know, former world champion, former pure champion? I mean, that must be, you know, very, uh, you know, you must be very proud to be able to call yourself, you know, uh, former champions. Yeah, it does give you a good sense of pride. You know, it's good to go there and um, still be part of the company. Um, see the young guys working so hard and being able to watch the matches now. You know, that's. I remember the first couple of pay views that I did sitting there and and after like the third or fourth match thinking i quite like wrestling you know (laughs) i always said if i could be a wrestler you know but without actually having to wrestle i'd be fantastic (laughs) kind of find a way of doing that i mean i've enjoyed it you know it's a good, good bunch of guys yeah and the first uh listener uh question we've got is from dx versus nwo 1994 who wants to know which title defense during your reign as RH World Champion was your favorite? DX versus NWO 1994. <laughs> <laughs> DX or NWO was around in 1994, was it? I don't think. Or was that when they were born? Maybe that was when they were born. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track now. Um, <laughs> the question was which was my favorite title defense? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's weird. 
the older I get, it kind of it kind of varies. Um, you know, like I think when I was wrestling, probably the some of my favourite title defenses were the the less injurious ones. You know, I remember yeah. I remember wrestling um, Delirious in Florida, um, and I, I thought that was a great match. Really enjoyed it. None of us got hurt, you know, um, but it was a good entertaining match. I'm not even sure if it was for the belt or if I was the champion. So that maybe that's maybe that's not a good answer. Um, <laughs> you know, I know now that I can sit back and I can, you know, look back on my career. I'm very proud of, of a lot of the matches, you know, the match of Aries especially. Um, first match with Dragon in Cleveland was a big one, obviously, the one in, in England um, as well. And uh, the one with Tyler Black. Um, Philadelphia. I think that was kind of a very special match for me. It was the first match I felt that kind of put me on the on the map uh, in my own right. You know, uh, yeah. I think to have great matches um, with with established guys, uh, but you know, for a guy who's like up and coming, you know, as talented as he was, nonetheless, you know, it was still a great opportunity for me to step up, and I felt like I did that. You know, it's, uh, that's what makes it so fun now to watch some of the matches, like you know, with Davy and Elgin, that match there in Canada. Um, yeah, well, mm. that was the same, the same sort of feel. You know, when those sort of things happen, it's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle. You know. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I suppose you know your reign you know, lasted for quite some time, didn't it? Over five hundred days, and I believe it was was it thirty eight total defenses, which is uh, tied for most with a. Uh, with Brian Danielson, I mean, uh, what's the pressure like being champion for so long, and you know, having to come up with fresh and you know, entertaining things, and you know, we know how you know demanding the RH fans are, don't we? So you know, how how tough was it to, you know, be champion for that long? It was difficult, but um, it was a great challenge as well. Uh, you know, I found creatively it was obviously the one of the best times of my my career, without a doubt. Um, it, more than anything, though, it was just the physicality of it. I think a lot of us kind of, you know, cut our teeth watching a lot of Japan, you know, um, Kabashi, Masao, a lot of their big matches. Um, not to say we patterned ourselves after them, but we kind of watched those matches for the big match feel and uh, kind of takes, took, took some of those matches and put it into our own. Um, that kind of made it more difficult. You know, but uh, mm. as I said, I kind of probably, considering the amount of physical abuse that I went through, I've come out pretty well considering, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You know, touch wood. <laughs> um, you know, total reigns nowadays in Ring of Honor and especially in other companies are, you know, much shorter. I mean, uh, do you, you know, do you think that that's the right way to go or, you know, do you think longer total reigns, you know, are, are more special? Um, yeah, I mean, longer title reigns are more special, but uh, you've got to find that happy medium between creating that sense of, uh, not enigma, um, tenure, and, um, you know, keeping the fans interested. It's amazing when you think yeah. Bruno Sammartino was, was world champion for, what, seven or eight years. Wow. Seven or eight freaking years, you know, <laughs> and, and he still drew. Every, he still drew. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, that was over, but it's a different, different era. You know, you watch TV nowadays, and they cut every, every six seconds. Cut, 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 cut. You know, people's attention span 
this isn't the way there the way that it was before. So you know, to have someone to be the champ that long, you know, you really got to have them, you know, entertaining the fans and drawing them in and, and getting into the um, the character. Mm. Yeah, and, and prior to your you know war title reign, you were pure champion. Obviously, the the last pure champion and and longest reigning. I mean. What, what did you think of that title? I mean, do you think it, it would fit in, in the current ROH? Or? Yeah, totally. Totally. I thought it was very uh, entertaining. It was, uh, um, it was a real ed- education for me as well, starting out with it, um, when it basically it was really not necessarily a serious spell, but um, it was there to promote a, a certain style, you know, and I like yeah. took that and uh, kind of belt bent the rules a little bit um, to make it a little bit more of a, not a comedy belt by, by a long shot, but uh, certainly changed the way that those matches were. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think it would fit in, in the current ROH or, or not? Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't see why not. I mean, it's different. You know, you just need to, to have somebody that has a champ that, um, you know, can do something with it. You know? It probably, yeah. probably works better on a heel. You know, I was, I was a... I think the whole notion of heels and baby faces is kind of outdated, to be honest with you. But probably mm. better, works better on someone you know with a lot of lot of character, a lot of charisma. Mm. Yeah, do, do something with the rules. That's the whole point. Mm. Mm. And, and and going back to your start in Ring of Honor, I believe you made your debut in in two thousand and three, and but you, you didn't really have much success until two thousand and five. I mean, how how did you initially break into into Ring of Honor? Um, BJ Whitmer and Matt Stryker used to drive out to Philly from HWA in Cincinnati where I started. Uh, this was back in the burgeoning days of Ring of Honor. Um, yeah. They did well enough on their tryouts to get sort of um, fairly regular spots. And once they had, they gave Gabe a tape of me. And he said, you know, whenever we're, we're in uh, the Midwest, which is like their first show in the Midwest in Dayton, and they booked me in chairs. Chet, Chet, uh, Chet Blonsky, you know? Yeah. So it just, just took a while, you know, it just took a while. There's so many guys out there. Um, it takes a while for a spot to come open and for mm. someone to have that, that sort of idea of you. Mm. And I suppose your most, your most famous rivalry in Ring of Honor was, you know, with Brian Danielson, you know, some of the wars you had. Uh, it, how much was, you know, how much did you enjoy working alongside him? Um... <laughs> I suppose uh, not at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's funny because you say enjoy, um, which wasn't really a, <laughs> you know, a verb that I'd have used. No, not because I didn't enjoy it, because you know, it wasn't a negative thing in any way, shape or form. Um, in fact, you know, creatively, there were obviously some of the best matches of my career. Um, and I honestly feel I was blessed to have been able to wrestle him once let alone have a whole you know feud against him because i'd certainly put him up there with kurt angle as, as one of the best wrestlers of my generation without a doubt mm. without a doubt yeah you know um but but, but there was just a, a, a profound sense of, of, of pride and learning um and and destiny as well i remember when i first came to ring of honor and i'd get there early to help set up the ring. Um, and I'd see him walking around backstage. He'd be very quiet into himself, reading a book. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why, I always had that strange sense of, of destiny that, that our path 
would cross and uh, he'd be a big part of my career. And, and I was right. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And it certainly, it certainly came to pass, you know. So um, now that I can look back on it, you know, I, I just, as I said, feel a profound sense of pride given where his career has gone. Mm. I mean, I, I suppose, that, you know, those matches are... Yeah, I mean, those matches were well known for being, you know, very hard hitting, especially the, you know, the, say that the one in uh, Liverpool, you know, was was very, uh, say, we'll use the word violent. But, um, you know, in, yeah. in, in hindsight, would you, you know, is, would you have wrestled that, that match, you know, well, that match or those matches in particular differently or, you know? Is... Somewhat differently, somewhat differently. Um, but. You know, at the time, I wasn't aware of, of a lot of the concussion issues. Uh, although, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I can't. I felt, felt perfectly fine after that match. Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, it's just it's just a cumulative effect type thing. You know, after mm. a certain number of matches like that, it, it all kind of adds up. You know, um, you have to step out of the box. You have to do something extraordinary. You can't just go out there and you know work a basic match and. Uh, expected to get over the same way you know um everybody that was you know a, a great champion there i think kind of you know did that kind of pushed the bar so to speak you know yeah as best i could at the time um and in hindsight yeah i probably could have been smarter with a couple of my bumps and smarter with some of the physicality but uh it was a learning process hmm i mean looking back now do you think if you'd have wrestled you know, a bit more maybe conservative, conservatively. Do you think you'd, you'd still be wrestling there? Wrestling there? No, wrestling now. Oh, wrestling now. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if I hadn't got injured, then I'd probably be wrestling for WWE now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, looking back at that, I mean... Is there is there a sense of, of regret that you know you, you did sort of you know wrestle that style or as you say you know at the time you were you you know you were doing what you needed uh, to do I mean, to sort of you but know, you know look, look how how many guys are there that don't wrestle that style that have injuries anyway you know what I mean mm, like yeah. ballet people get concussions people get torn biceps people you know every injury I've ever had somebody else has had that didn't wrestle that style. Mm. You know? Good just point. as likely to get hurt. It's just it's just a numbers game. Eventually, after wrestling a certain number of matches, you're going to get injuries. You know, and mm. if you're un, un, unfortunate enough that one of those injuries, for whatever reason, is considered to be a bigger deal than it really is, then um, that's just the, the luck. You know, it's just pot luck. Mm. I, I rolled my dice. I, I took my chances, and I got what I got. Mm. Um, so after your time in Ring of Honor, you know, you had the final match against Brian Danielson. You went to TNA for a couple of years and then returned uh, last year as a color commentator on the new TV show. How did that come about? Um, after TNA released me, I kind of uh, didn't know what to do, really. Um, you know, I kind of felt like the only place that was, you know, left for me to creatively go in ring wise was, was WWE. Um, I didn't seem very interested. So I uh, contacted Ring of Honor and uh, kind of put feelers out. And it just so happened that at the time uh, they were looking for a new color guy after, you know, Sinclair had bought them out. And I uh, kind of felt like I'd fit that mold. So it was a, 
it was a real godsend for me that I could still be part of the wrestling business and to make mm. some money, um, you know, instead of being thrown to the wolves, so to speak. <laughs> Had you uh, commentated before that at all? I mean, was it hard to transition because you, you know, you were a wrestler for so long? Was it hard to transition to being a commentator? Um, no, it wasn't necessarily hard. It was definitely a learning experience. Definitely took me a while to learn certain certain things, and I'm still learning. You know, that's why I'm very lucky to have Jim Cornette and Kevin Kelly, <coughs> excuse me, alongside to um, to help me along the way. You know, um, but uh, I've done a couple of um, commentary segments for Ring of Honor. I've done some stuff for FIP down in Florida. Um, Salad helped me out a, a great deal as well with uh, editing and uh, other aspects of the business. So mm. you know, I kind of I dipped my toe in the water. Yeah. Um, at the end of those first tapings, from what I remember, you saved Eddie Edwards from a beatdown from the House of Truth. And this was around the time of your retirement tour. Was there any sort of plans with that? Was it going to lead to a match or anything? Yeah, we debated it. We threw it out there. We saw saw how the people took it, you know, kind of mulled around a few ideas here and there, but just didn't come to fruition. Would you have liked to have one more match in Ring of Honor as part of your retirement tour? Um... I don't know. It's tough um, because my last match with Dragon in Ring of Honor, I always felt was my last match in Ring of Honor. Um, mm. I, I wanted that to mean something, you know. I, I don't to each their own, you know. And if people want to carry on wrestling and have a retirement and come out of retirement and all that sort of stuff, you know, like I said, that's their choice, you know, mm. up to them. But I, I just kind of felt like for me. I had to step away. I had to move away. You know, mm. it's um, kind of like an abusive girlfriend. To, <laughs> to <a certain laughs> extent, yeah. You know, you, you had some, some great times um, and you enjoyed them. Uh, but if you're going to walk away, you've got to walk away. That's the way I felt. And, mm. uh, I still feel. So uh, in terms of commentary, was there anyone that you sort of took inspiration from and tried to model yourself on as a commentator? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I try, try to take, take a lot from a lot of guys. Joe Rogan, I thought, um, and still think he's one of the greatest commentators out one of the great colour guys because, you know, he just has such a sense of um, legitimacy. In the fact that he calls it how he sees it, you know, and obviously mm. I think he's got the more free reign to do that in UFC, arguably, than commentators have in, in WWE. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, but I took a lot from a lot of guys. Obviously, Jim Ross, I tried to watch some old Gordon Soley stuff. Um, you know, uh, and then watching back some of the old Ring of Honor stuff, you know, I thought that, that Dave Frazak and Lenny Leonard did, did great stuff as well mm. um, back in the day with some of my matches. So I tried to you know, get, get some stuff from them. Um, it was, uh, it was um, yeah, you know, just uh, they were my main influences, I think. Mm. Uh, Marketh on our forum says uh, one advantage of you being from the UK is that you can use w- words like wanker on national TV every week. Has no one ever picked you up on that? <laughs> do they even know what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, they do, but you know, it's like um, for them, it doesn't. You know, it's not a bad word. It's you know, not to get off track, but it kind of brings up the the topic of. of, of how bad words really are, right? I mean, it's just a word. It's just, it's just a couple of syllables. And in America, people think it's hilarious and then have no. <laughs> um, I always remember one of my um, 
one of my high school buddies, well, one of my friends from university, came over to England to stay for a bit. And um, he's like, wanker, why is everyone calling each other wanker? What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> and I just, <laughs> so I told him it meant that they were lazy, you know, just like a, a lazy person that didn't really do much. Um, and hence, having a wank was like having a nap. He'd been, uh, I think he was tired. He'd had a rest in an afternoon. And he came down, and one of my friends asked him what he'd been up to. He said, "I just upstairs, upstairs having a wank." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So you know, it's fun. The two finger thing as well. You know, when I do the, uh, you know, up yours, <laughs> that was always entertaining. When I we first had that tour in England uh, for TNA. This girl came up to me and said, I hate you. And I said, why? She said, um, I'm the girl that has to pixelate out every time that you stick your two fingers in the air. Yeah, because it's actually censored over here every time yeah, you did it. <laughs> nearly my whole my whole job is just doing that, she said, basically. <laughs> but how silly. I mean, how silly can you get? Mm. What is the point of that? I mean, what what? Heaven forbid, like, what effect is that going to have on young kids seeing me put two fingers in the air? Where, where, you know, all of a sudden they're going to start going out and doing heroin. <laughs> I don't get it. I, well, I, it, I really strange. don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, our next question is that you often come up with hilarious one-liners while you're on commentary, and we want to know, how does Kevin Kelly refrain from laughing every single time? He doesn't think they're hilarious. Um, is it is it a British? British is it British humour or something? Because I'm in hysterics sometimes. But Kevin uh, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll I'll see him sort of, um, you know, sort of trying to trying to hold back and, and hitting the um, the talk back thing on his on his little button so he doesn't you know go through. But uh, yeah, it's usually <laughs> one line is about Maria or, or those sort of things. Yeah. Oh yeah, some of those are fantastic. <laughs> We're able to do that. Yeah. Free reign, and I, I, I don't appreciate perhaps you know that sort of freedom that we have there. It's not just me doing commentary; it's, it's the wrestlers as well. Mm. Uh, Jackalope three says, "How do you feel about Steve Carino's often humorous approach to Ring of Honor TV commentary, as opposed to the more traditional style of Kevin Kelly and yourself?" I think Steve's fantastic. Uh, I think he's 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 brilliant out there. You know, I think he adds so much to it because he's just so genuine and he's off the cuff. Um, and uh, you know, he gets his little jibes in, and and it's something that's difficult for me to interact with that because I know he's a wrestler. He's a guy who's going to be on shows in matches and stuff like that. So I've kind of got to feel like I've got to tone myself down because I don't want to be throwing jibes back at him necessarily because then mm. there's that heat and I'm not going to wrestle him. So yeah, that's a good point. point. Having that heat there. So sometimes it's difficult for me just to sort of sit back and, and, and let him run wild. But I, I love it every time he sits. In the mm. booth. Yeah. It's a really good dynamic. The three of you, every time Steen has a title match, it's a definitely a good thing. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. Mm. So you've been commentating for, I think, about a year now. What has been your favourite match or moment that you've seen from ringside? Because there's been some great ROH moments the past year. Mm. But any time that I get to see Maria bend over, or even like <laughs> half bend over, um, <laughs> is, is one of the highlights for me. Um, 
It's a shame the commentary table is a bit far away at the TV tapings, isn't it? It, it is, it is, you know. Um, and, and I think personally that either, you know, we should move her closer to the table or the table <laughs> one or the other. You know what yeah. I mean? you, should, you should tell the higher-ups about that. We can sort that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll try. Maybe you guys can, can get, you know, get on the old website. <laughs> but um, the match that obviously stands out is, is Davey and Elgin, mm. um, Florida. You know, that was one where just, uh, you know, it really, really drew me in. You know, it really got to the stage where at one point I was I was standing up. I was so excited about it, you know. And, it, God, I, I remember being that excited about a match since Ultimate Warrior beat Sid, Sid Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Did Ultimate Warrior beat Sid Justice? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember. I do remember him running into a match. What was that? WrestleMania eight? Oh, I have no it was, idea. Yeah, <laughs> before it was, our time. Hogan, Hogan Justice. Um, Someone out there won. Eight. And, and 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 Warrior ran in, and it was about two o'clock in the morning UK time, and I was like, oh, really tired, really, you know, about to pass out. And then here his music. He came out, and I remember jumping out of bed. So he's so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was that match, um, and um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember any others off the top of my head, but I think that just speaks volumes because there've been so many, mm. so many great matches. I know um, O'Reilly and uh, Adam Cole had a great match in New York as oh, well. The, the hybrid fighting rules, yeah, 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 that really, really, um, really got over. That was that was special. You can just <laughs> you can feel it, you know, you can feel it in your skin. Yeah, yeah, real special. Um, Macklin from Facebook wants to know um, what are your thoughts on the current direction of Ring of Honor and how has it changed since you were a wrestler? Um, well, obviously, the, the main difference I think is Jim Cornette's influence. Um, when, when I was wrestling, he was more of a you know he came in from time to time and was more of a sort of a, um, an additional help, so to speak. Um, but he has obviously much more of a, a stronger influence now. Um, even though uh, you know Delirious you know, has a big say so, and mm. uh, a few other people have, have input as well. In fact, they take they take advice from from a lot of the guys. To be honest with you, they're, they're always open to guys coming in and giving their opinion and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you have to have one guy driving the ship. Mm. And um, so uh, it's a, it's a different direction, you know. Um, more, I think they're more trying to appeal. To, to families, but at the same time, you know, still give the guys a chance to go out there and, and wrestle the style they want to wrestle, you know. Mm. So um, it's a different direction, but uh, they're certainly trying to, to appeal to as many people as they possibly can. Mm, that's definitely a challenge, trying to appeal to totally different sort of markets, really, different it, audiences. It really is, you know, and there's so much stuff that goes into writing a show and pitching, you know, making sure that the show's coincide with the right pay-per-views and the right matches and the people haven't wrestled each other the day before and the promos all kind of make sense mm. and so it's ever so the logistics of, of trying to figure that out you know um is crazy and when, when you see how much work goes into that you're like wow I'm, uh, <laughs> you can't help but be impressed when you see you know the the mindset that you have to have to get into that you know, mm. Like literally weeks to get to the stage that they get, you know. And that's the thing about booking and directions and stuff like that. 
I always used to say about Vince Russo um, in um, TNA. I didn't necessarily agree with some of the angles, some of the storylines, or whatever else. But you know, you've got to give someone the uh, the the reins and, and let them run with it. You know, at the end of the day, it's a very difficult job to do. And, and anyone can sit there and poo-poo it and say, you know, I don't like this, and I'd rather not go in that direction. And I'm not mm. saying that I feel, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm very happy with the way that I'm used at the moment. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, as I said, it's it's a difficult job, and I think really got to be constructive in your criticism mm. Mm. you need to tell the people on our forum that <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad that people care you know and that's that's the truth um if they don't care if they weren't posting things they weren't talking about it in some way shape or form then that would be far worse in my mind than, than what they are doing you know mm. what i mean uh, we've just got to try yeah. and listen to that and then try and understand that We've got to appeal to as many people as we can. We've got to know our demographic. We've got to know where we're making money and, and how we're going to try and move forward and, and you know, put the product in that direction. Mm. Um, Supersonic wants to know, who in Ring of Honor do you see as a future star, either in ROH or elsewhere? Supersonic? Is that, is that Steve Sonic? Steve Livington, is it? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> that one likes playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? What was the question? Um, who in Ring of Honor do you see as a future star, either in ROH or elsewhere? Oh, um, there's a few guys that can step up, you know. Um, it all depends. Like my career, someone given the opportunity and the chance to run with it, you know. I've said for a while, Champer is a guy that you know can certainly fill that role. Of, you know, just, just, just a couple of a couple of changes, a couple of you know, a couple of things that really connect, and, and I certainly think he could. To do something. Uh, there's a young guy that just started called Tadarius Thomas. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw him on TV or not. Um, I've heard good things about him. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but... he's a different style, and that's one of the things I always love about guys, and I always loved about Ring of Honor is that you can see, you know, guys wrestling a style there that you couldn't see anywhere else. Um, and I was really impressed with him. Uh, and obviously, there's more more to being a, a star than just your bell to bell. Um, but thus far, he's only been given a limited opportunity, but I've been very impressed with his in-ring stuff um, and uh, certainly see, see that he could be a, a big player there. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking of different styles, I mean, obviously Kevin's seen world champion at the moment. He's, you know, much different in style to somebody like, you know, David Richards, who he won the title off. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on Kevin as champion? Um, I was really happy to see him champ. You know, I was really happy to see him win the belt because... Uh, He's worked so hard, and um, one of the things I always loved about Ring of Honor is that no one was there to make a payday. You know, I mean, you know, we obviously wanted to get paid. We wanted to get paid enough to, you know, for the for the injuries that we made. But everyone that was there loved it and loved the the art form of it. You know, which Ring of Honor was all about. Um, and so for him to start out and at the beginning, some people didn't like him, and you know, a lot of people didn't. Think that he fit in there because of you know his um sort of word shape. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you know he still puts on great matches. He's still very passionate about it. He still goes out there and is entertaining and is uh, one of, if not the most, over guy on the show. So I think he has a great um, a great what's that word dynamic with Jim. You know I think mm. they contribute. Each other very well. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Daniel Bryanson off the forums wants to know, who do you think will be next RH World Champion? Daniel Bryanson? What? I didn't know I, he had I, I think he's... <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just switched the names around, hasn't he? There's uh, some strange names on our forum. Oh, I was going to say, I've got a text dragon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a little dragon running around somewhere. Um, who's <laughs> the next one world champion? Ah, uh, blah, 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 blah. Tough one, tough one. Um, I know Elgin's on a uh, on a real, a real, what would you call it when someone's on a, you know, doing a Hot streak? Yeah, on a hot streak. Yeah, you guys are good. Um, <laughs> um, he's, he's doing very well for himself right now, you know, um, and as long as that momentum continues, you know, I think he's definitely got a chance to, to be one of those guys. But you, you might be surprised, you know, you might be surprised, um, you know, there's a couple of young guys that, you know, given the opportunity, I think, you know, could step up and, and do that. I think Jay Lethal, is a guy that's um, really coming into his own. Not not that he was never, you know, great back in the day. I mean, you know, mm. he's never been nothing but good. But uh, I think he's looking at, you know, stepping up to that 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 top rung, perhaps. Um, you know, but like I said, there'll be a couple of young guys. You know, sort of Adam Coles, that you know could be dark horses um, given given the right sort of direction. Mm. Mm. Um, right now we've got a few, they're not really questions, they're more just sort of uh, comments from people on our forums. Sort of, uh, they're all nice, we, we edited out all the, uh, all the nasty ones. <laughs> um, there were nasty ones? No, no, no. no there wasn't. Yes, there were, tell me the nasty ones. <laughs> no, there, was, uh, there honestly wasn't one. Um, Renegade121 says, just want to say first I met you along with my Little sister at this year's Best in the World in New York City before the show, and it was truly an honour. Thanks for your time outside the venue to talk to me and my sister and take a picture with us. Here's a question. Why did you cut the awesome spiky hair? Um, it was time for a change. You know, I just, uh, I'd, I'd lost the belt and uh, I was coming back to Ring of Honour and I wanted to have a new look, uh, more serious. And uh, that was it, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was awesome. Took, took a whole lot of time, and um, <laughs> when I did cut it, I realised, Jesus, I've got a receding hairline. I never realised. <laughs> um, Beard Dog says, "I would like to thank you for all you've done in wrestling. Thanks for signing my picture of you with the RH and NWA belts." Um, the next one, I, I, I believe his his uh, account name has been named after yourself. He's, he's a, his name is Nigel Likes Guinness. Um, <laughs> He says, I just, "I just want to say, to, uh, I just want to say thank you to Nigel. He's the main reason I ever got into this great company. The many times I met him, he was always the man, greatest RH champ of all time. Thank you." Ah, oh, that's very nice. Very nice. So I appreciate all the comments, you know. And I, I was blessed on the uh, retirement tour that I had so many people come up and say so many nice things, and um, just like, why the fuck wasn't Vince McMahon listening? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Longhaired James says, thank you for being one of the, my favourite wrestlers, getting me into RH uh, and for sacrificing your body over the years for my entertainment. Um, and the last one is from Mantis Driver, who says, I would like to, quite a long one, so uh, I would like to start out by saying you are the best wrestler in the world and my favourite RH world champion. Uh, a cla class act guy every time I met you, 
I would like to ask you if you are still currently wrestling today and in the WWE, who would you most like to be in a feud slash storyline with? Um, I'd have to pick Dragon, wouldn't I? You know, just because yeah. I know <laughs> I know we can do we can do good business. You know, I know we did good business in the past, and given that vehicle, you know, the WWE vehicle, man, mm. we could have really mm. set the world on fire. But mm. the same thing with Punk, the same thing with Cena. Same thing with Orton, the same thing with Ziggler. It just goes on and on. There are so many talented guys that mm. there really are. You know, when you, you, you have those talented guys, Jericho, Regal, you know, when you have those talented guys and, and the ability uh, or that, that media corporation to, to get that over, well, sky's the limit. Mm. Uh, Manchester Driver continues, thank you, Nigel, for everything you gave us fans over the years uh, and love you on commentary. Uh, I am a girl fan, just to point out the love. So, <laughs> uh, what fan? Uh, a girl fan. I think. I think she's trying to point out that she's a girl, hence the love. So. <laughs> oh, girl. She's a girl. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I thought maybe that meant she was a fan of girls. Like, oh. <laughs> I think that's the wrong, completely wrong forum, to be honest. But. Um... Oh, I don't know. Tell you what. <laughs> Reminds me, I have to check out RedTube today. um so i think now it's about time to uh wrap things up obviously when you're not busy doing your commentary and editing the documentary sort of what else do you do outside of wrestling you you recently did some stand-up i think yeah i've been doing some stand-up when i first got out here to la um before i got too engrossed in the documentary i was doing some stand-up i had had a good like couple of weeks with it um got my toes wet um obviously magic i'm a big amateur magician Working on a book, screenplay, that sort of stuff. I've kind of got my thumb in a, in a lot of pies at the moment, but mm. I'm doing my best. I'm really trying my best to enjoy my life. Um, mm. I'm so guilty of it, um, and I was guilty when I was a wrestler too. One of my biggest disappointments of my career, aside from not getting to WWE, is the fact that I didn't really enjoy the ride. You know, I didn't just appreciate what I was doing at the time, and I'll forever be, you know, grateful for that and just wish I've got every morning I've got to try and get up and go, just be happy, you know. It's mm. just a beautiful world, you know, and the sun is shining, you know. I'm Not in England. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, do, why do people live there? I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I can't believe there hasn't been a mass, mass, you know, a mass exodus in the, the early 80s. It's crazy. <laughs> So um, how can fans sort of get in touch with you online? Do you have like a Twitter or Facebook? I know you yeah. mentioned uh, NigelWrestling.com earlier. NigelWrestling.com is my website. Um, once uh, I get somewhere further with a documentary, then we're going to get that sort of up to date and stuff. Um, my Twitter handle is at McGuinnessNigel, um, so you can follow me on there. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, and if you're in California... And uh, you can come and check me out, perhaps, at some of the improv shows around here, uh, if I ever get this godforsaken documentary done. <laughs> well, I'm also, I might be doing that Maria's podcast. Maria Canellis does a, a podcast on Monday nights. Um, it's uh, the After Buzz TV show. So if anybody, it's, it's a great show as well, you know. I mean, all joking aside, um, you know, Apart from being beautiful, she is she is smart and she, you know, I think she's a great presenter as well. Her and, and Mike Bennett uh, do do the show every Monday night, I believe, after after they take the ball. Mm. And, um, 
I, I did one time. I'd like to go back as well. So you can hopefully catch me on that. Awesome. So, yeah, thank you for uh, taking time out of a busy schedule to join us today, Nigel. It's been great chatting with you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, thank you to all of our listeners. We hope we enjoyed the show. Thank you.